Hello there. Welcome to Unmitigated Bounders. You unmitigated bounders. I'm Pete. And I'm Fred, as usual. And uh, today we come to the end of uh, what we're going to call Series 1. Ah, so does that mean, have have we been recommissioned for a second series? Um, It depends what the money's like. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get my people to speak to your people, yeah. and we'll do it from there. Uh, what we, what are we up to today, Fred? Well, I just want to say what what, uh, what a great year it's been for unmitigated bounders, eh? We've uh, we've we've covered so much uh, grot. Over oh, the year. We, we really have. I mean, it's not like it, it's usually me who tries to bring these sort of uh, make these earnest points. So you've thrown me slightly off kilter there, but fully agree with you. A fantastic year. We've covered loads. We've still got loads more to cover, um, but you know, do, 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 without overegging the cake, doing these has changed my life, or certainly enhanced my life in a in a absolutely positive way. So, thank you for being part of that, Fred. Excuse me, I just uh, dab away the tears. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine the script that you're using. There's uh, tear stains on it right now. I'm, I'm, um, I'm sure our listener is uh, is in tears at this point as well. Well, that was you know that wasn't the intention, but if 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 I've moved people, still have So anyway, enough of all the uh, the mellow drama. What are we doing today, Fred? Well, today we will be discussing. The stud. So, excellent uh, theme tune there from the equally excellent uh, opening sequence, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to shortly. So, just setting the scene, Fred, a few bits about what we know about the stud, if that's okay. Brilliant, let's go for it. Yeah, so it was the second novel by Jackie Collins. Um, it was, sorry, it was, her, it was her second novel. It was released in 1969. There were... Initial plans for it to be made into a movie, which never quite got off the ground. 
with with Tony Curtis uh, slated to play the, 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 the title role of the stud. Um, obviously that never transpired. Roll forward eight I mean, or nine. I mean that that would have been quite something. I mean Tony Curtis was uh, you know he wasn't a young man then was he? <sighs> yes. It, yeah, I, I can't quite picture it because it is the the Tony Blake character, the stud. It is a youthful. It, it's a relatively youthful role. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. Yeah, and you know, not that not that we're going to go down. It's not often we go down many uh, homo erotic avenues on this podcast, but um, Oliver Tobias is probably the sort of most handsome leading man <laughs> we've encountered on. On any of our films, and well, uh, apart from Barry Stokes, of course. <laughs> apart from Barry, apart from seven foot, seven foot two uh, actor Barry Stokes, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean he is. I mean he's he's you know, he's stunningly sort of beautiful as a, a as a man. Uh, Tony Curtis wouldn't have wouldn't have quite cut the mustard. No, I mean a friend of mine, a lady friend of mine, is is obsessed with Tobias. She she's just goes on about him all the time. Does she stalk him? Um, probably not. I mean, no one knows what he does these days, do they? Yeah, well, we'll certainly get to that, as, as in uh, where is he now. So is she a big fan of this film, or is she more of a sort of... Uh, these are the things? Um, probably this one. I think that thing, he did like a sort of uh, kid show, didn't he? Um, kidnapped or something like that? Yeah, I know what you mean. It was yeah. released by uh, Network DVD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, to be fair, I thought you could say she was obsessed obsessed with Tony Curtis <laughs> or, um, or Barry Stokes. Or Barry Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yes. So uh, roll forward, sort of six or seven eight years. Jackie's uh, Jackie Collins's sister Joan. Um, her career is kind of halted a little bit. Well, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because, I mean, she was she was an A-list uh, British star in the sort of 50s, and she was on the fringes of being an A-list Hollywood star, you know, in the yeah in the 60s. Um, and, you know, by the 70s, she was, I won't say reduced to, because, you know, the, the, all these films have merit, but she was doing that sort of amicus-style um, horror portmanteaus. Yeah. And, and films like Empire of the Ants, you know, which which are not going to get you any any plaudits, are they? <laughs> Is that a personal favourite of yours? It's it's quite enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so some um, of those horror ones she did in the seventies are quite a, a good fun, I have to say. Yes, but it's probably not where she'd envisaged that oh, she'd no. have been at that point. Um, so her, I think her husband. Well, she she basically the 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 story goes that she approached Jackie and said, "I want to make this, you know, we want to make this as a film. I was born to play um, Fontaine Khaled. I nearly called her Alexis Khaled, uh, but you, you know <laughs> yeah. what I did by accident." Um, Jackie sold her the rights for free, and Joan Collins's husband set about. Well, Joan Collins and her husband set about getting the uh, the production up and running and who, and who was it, her husband at this point because uh, obviously Tony Newley dissolved in about 1970 so who, who was she married to now oh you've, you've, my, my research is, is uh, has let me down yeah I do know I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head 
Um, it, it didn't end well, though, did it? I guess. The presumably match. not, because how many how many husbands well, has she had now? Quite a few, I think. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's the famous quote, you know, "What about the age difference?" Well, if he dies, he dies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she she's very she's she's. Uh, What's that? What's the word? I don't want to say grown old gracefully, although she absolutely has. But I think she's, she's very like acerbic. Would that be the word? Yes. Um, <clears throat> it's very tongue in cheek. I don't think she's. You know, I think the joke is one hundred percent on her. But she's yeah, she's very funny and she's become very um, quick with you know these little lines and put downs yeah. and they're all very uh, self aware. Um, so yeah, they 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 saw this as a vehicle for her basically to put her back on the map. They um there was Brent Walker Productions, um and it was I forget his first name, some somebody Walker, um from a sort of boxing family. His brother was a famous boxer, and she touted it to him as the British Saturday Night Fever, um well, which I don't think don't think it's too far stretch. No, no, it does have that element, yeah, because um. Yeah, Saturday Night Fever, a lot of people don't realise that, um, probably because they haven't watched it properly. It, it, it's a quite a gritty, yeah, you know, down-to-earth film, isn't it? That's the night it's not just about the dancing. It's, uh, no, it's about work, you know, working-class Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn Italian-American life, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, Yeah, there's, def- there's definitely, I mean, also, obviously it's not accidental, but there's definitely overlap and, and similarities with some of the themes going on going on here which we'll we'll certainly get to down the line um, although although one is deemed as a, a classic of the 70s and uh, one isn't really i thought i thought you were gonna say so one was deemed a classic of the 70s and the other one saturday night fever <laughs> <laughs> um yeah absolutely I'm, I'm a huge saturday night fever fan yeah um i fully agree with you but i think there's i think this film has i think this film has merit i think there's a, a, a a lot. I think it. I, I know we like a scratch record because sometimes we're trying to sort of convince people of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, what's the word? Impossible or unconvincible. But I, I think this film has merit as a late seventies, seedy, gritty. You know, hints of underworld life. I think it has merit as a as a oh, yeah. serious drama. Yeah. And there, there's, a, there's a few things that uh, stand out to me as well. Are you being smutty or? <laughs> <coughs> um, apologies, Fred. I've got a terrible cough, uh, and apologies to listeners. So, yeah. So that's that's that is kind of how how the stud came to be, um, and it came out. I think what nineteen seventy eight and. Yeah, it was a huge hit by all accounts. Uh, yeah, it did really well in this country. I think I think um, I believe it, it didn't do as well as they thought in the states. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, apparently there was some uh, dodgy overdubbing they did with American accents on the, some of the characters. Oh, really? That didn't that didn't uh, work quite well? Yeah. It's not as if it's like you know. I could understand it if it was <laughs> loads of like broad northeasterners or something. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's it's you know, it's not exactly. Uh, well, everyone, in order. No, everyone's super posh, aren't they? Really. Yeah. Well, indeed, class is one of the things. I, uh, yeah, I don't want to take us down a, an overly uh, academic 
road, but uh, class is definitely one of the themes I'd like to pick up on as we get into it, if that's all right. Yeah. So what what happens in the film then? Let's have a, a brief overview. So, uh, let me, listener, let me introduce you to Tony Blake, the stud. Um, so, Tony is a, a working class lad, I would say, though he appears to come from a posh village. He has a posh accent for most of the film, and, you know, Oliver Tobias um, is definitely legitimately posh, I would suggest, but that's that's by the by. Um, he's a former waiter, and he's made his way up to uh, the manager of uh, a top London nightclub. Uh, the kind that you are known to frequent, I would say. Uh, is it as classy as Stringfellows? Well, it's, it's Trump. It's not called Trump in the film, but it's all filmed at Trump. I mean, as you know, you know for me, Stringfellows is the, the pinnacle of uh, London clubs. How is Chris? <laughs> he's doing very well. <laughs> anyway, we digress. <laughs> I've heard he's been demoted to uh, the 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 wardrobe where you put your your coats in. <laughs> Maybe this film was based on his life. <laughs> no, I think he tried to base his life <laughs> on this film. <laughs> so, big shout out to uh, Chris. What's his surname? Chris Quentin. Chris Quinton. Chris Quinton. Yeah. Former, um, <coughs> former star of Coronation Street and now uh, a bouncer at Stringfellows. No, no he's, a meter. he's a celebrity meter and greeter. He's an executive doorman. <coughs> Sorry, don't, don't make me laugh. Anyway, back to, the, back to the broad premise. So Tony runs this extremely successful uh, nightclub in, in London. Like I say, filmed at the infamous Tramp nightclub. Um... Really interesting. If you Google pics of Trump in the seventies, it's it's clearly it's clearly the club. Um, he also, I mean, he's you know the 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 clues in the title. He's a he's a ladies' man. Don't bother me with this kind of crap, okay? No bye-byes? No, no bye-byes. Can I call you sometime? Anytime. What's your name? Felicity. Back to your boyfriend, Felicity, darling. But he is kind of as part of his duties as nightclub manager he's also having to uh, have regular relations with uh, the the wife of the night the man who owns the nightclub uh, Fontaine Callard who's obviously played by Joan Collins um, and it's true to say that you know she clicks her fingers and, and he has to run yeah and uh, the mr. Callard is a when we first meet him, he's a very nice guy he's an older guy but he's, he seems like a nice man um, and he's, he's crucially part of the plot. He has an ex-wife and a daughter. Yes. Who, who soon comes into play. And Tony is, you know, 
Tony sees an opportunity to, you know, have a relationship and break free from all the the late nights and casual sex and, you know, drinking. Yeah. Um, In fact, the, the minute he sees um, Fontaine, uh, Khaled's daughter, uh, what's her name in it? Uh, oh, God. I can't remember her name. Now. Anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, he, he like falls in love like instantly. It, it's quite you know he gets all quite soppy like within seconds. Hey, Sugar, it's almost morning. Mm. Do you think Fontaine's attractive? Put it this way: if I had two choices, you'd be both of them. It's going to be Christmas soon. What are you doing? I'm seeing Mummy this weekend. I'll probably stay there. Oh, yeah. Where's there? A cottage in the country. Would you like to come with me? Mm-hmm. How's that? I'll tell you how that is. I think I love you. I hoped you would. Will you call me later? What? In Paris? What do you think, then? Dye your eyes green, it might suit you. And I tell you what, dye your hair green, change your shirt. What are you so bleeding cheerful about? It's life, man. It's life. Oh, knickers. Listen, the lady goes away for a couple of days, you're ecstatic. She comes back, you're bleeding suicidal again. Anyway, this one's different. <laughs> What's different about it? Hey, mind the pins, will you? It's like fucking acupuncture. Uh, which side do you dress up? On the right, I'm a southpaw. Thank you. It's not like that with this one, Sammy. If I didn't know you better, I'd say Cupid was up your arse, Antonio. I'd say love was rearing its ugly head, my son. Which for a bright young lad in your position is a bleeding disaster. Bullshit. Yeah, but delightfully served. What's wrong with me being in love with her anyway? It does happen. Not with you and them diamond-studded hippos, I know. But it does happen. Personally, I'm tired of putting it in everything that winks at me. I don't care if I am in love with her. I want to be in love with her. Wrong. Yeah, I mean it's it's the uh, in the Godfather they would call that the uh, the 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 thunderbolt, wouldn't they? Yeah, you, know, you just instant love at first sight, but it's not quite as convincing as Al Pacino and the Godfather. <laughs> I've got to say. So, in, in terms of plot, though, we need we need to mention the uh, what Hitchcock would call the MacGuffin, i.e. Uh, the the main part of the plot that drives the whole thing forward, which is. Um, Joan Collins filming herself having sex with Tobias in the lift. Right. So th this is. So she films it, and sort of casually leaves it lying around on a videotape in her yes. apartment, doesn't she? Yes. So this is the device that yeah sort of moves things along yeah. in the film. So um, yeah. So there's is that that's the first time we see them getting down to it, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it's quite a. Quite a racing scene, I must say. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't mess about. Um, well, he, no. attends, he attends to business straight away, shall yeah. we say. Well, as we find out later, she, she she's taught him everything he knows. That's what she says. <laughs> but hilariously, and we, we, we jump ahead a little bit, hilariously, when she's watching the video back with her friends later on, and she's in the th in the video. She's in the throes of ecstasy, and you see Tor Tony checking his watch because he's got to be somewhere else. It's <laughs> just like oh, the, the cheeky bastard. <laughs> so yes, there is this 
At the beginning, she tapes um, her and the stud having intimate moments in the lift, you know, going down, etc., etc. Um, it works on quite a few levels. And then this video falls into the wrong hands, and you know that's kind of the the start of the end. Well, it doesn't fall into anyone; it just stays where it is. But everyone just walks in and watches it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's going on? It's an emergency. What's that? First of all, um, the Khaled's daughter's friend overhears them in the toilets talking about it. Yes. And then she goes, she goes home and immediately starts watching it. And then the daughter sees it. She goes crazy, and uh, basically Tobias gets dumped from her by her. Well, he gets he gets duped and duped. then dumped. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she dresses up, has a has her way with him, and then when he comes back next time, that's it. Yeah, really, just to. Just to get one over on Fontaine, yeah, and then to tell him to get lost as well. Yeah. Um, alongside all of this going on, uh, all these sort of intricate uh, personal affairs, Tony is also he also has aspirations to to open his own club because remember he's just the manager yeah. at this nightclub and he wants to own his own club from scratch. In uh, I think he suggests like Wimbledon or something like that, which is scoffed at by yeah. the potential backer there's, there's lots um, of um, um, there's lots of great scenes of him just driving around isn't there well and he's his little sports yeah, car yeah there's a, there's a little, quite long scene at the beginning where he's just driving to the club and it, it he must be driving so long because it starts off in the day then when he gets to the club it's like night time <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't yeah. know if that's just a mistake or well the film as we know the film starts with him in bed and it's, yeah. it's like it appears to be 5.59 so you think, well, it's at five fifty nine a.m., but then he gets in the car and drives to the nightclub. Yeah, so it's the evening. Yeah. It, it's got to be the evening, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yes, it all ends in tears for. Yeah, because young obviously, Tony. Uh, Mr. Khaled sees it. He just comes home. Just oh, I've switched on the video. <laughs> yeah. Normal people say, "What's what's the video?" That's a little. Mm, no, I don't want to watch that. But he just clicks it on, and of course, maybe he was looking for. Um, like last night's recording of Celebrity Squares or something yeah. like that. 
but it's it's quite it's quite devastating the the, the quickness of the divorce. Like that, Joan Joan Collins gets summoned, and there's this sort of posh lawyer twat there. <laughs> so that with immediate effect, you're divorced. You got to leave this apartment. Yeah, and then uh, and then. And then Tony gets to the club and finds out that his uh, his plan to open another club has been thwarted by none other than Fontaine. Fontaine. Yeah. You're going to go into business for yourself. All I need to do is to find a new manager for this place. And uh... <laughs> don't be here tomorrow, will you, Tony? There's a good boy. Yeah, it's it's a. I don't think it's too far a stretch to say that this is a, a morality tale. It is. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a yeah. Morality. It's also um, bizarrely, it's a Christmas film as well. It's 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 set at Christmas. They mention Christmas quite a lot. Um, so it's like a Christmas morality tale, you could say. Yeah, like a sort of. Like a, a a superior, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, sort of a a, a porno Dickensian sort of. <laughs> that could work. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is. He goes home for Christmas, doesn't he? And then he goes to yeah. the posh house for Christmas as well. There's a great um, scene where he goes home to mum, mum and dad, and they live in this, you know, classic, you know, two up, two down somewhere, um, you know, and they're just sitting there watching the telly. You know, the dad's just got a can of beer. And it's it's quite it's quite evocative of the time, I think. Um, and he has to use like the telephone box, and there's this woman in there. Like, <laughs> I was trying to find out who that was because I think she turns up in all sorts. Yeah, she looks familiar. Um, yeah, I think there's. I, I, I'll have to verify this later, but in the first film version of the Sweeney, there's a scene where they're in the pub and they're quite drunk and the swearing. And this sort of rotund woman in the background is like tutting at them, swearing, and I'm fairly certain it's the same uh, 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 extra artist or a supporting artist or whatever the phrase is. Yes, yes, um, and it, it reminds me of the you know the good old days when you had to use the phone box and put two p in. But you made a, you made a good point about that that sort of late seventies quite sort of uh, homely saying that's you know without being rude you know you will remember you know those you will remember what it was like at that time yeah in the 70s yeah. not you know not as not as much as tony but um <laughs> but I, I do think there's the guy who directed it didn't do a lot on film i don't know if he did more in theater or whatever but i don't, I don't know who you would credit but i think there's a throughout the film they, they, they obviously use 
sort of almost Stanley Long style. It's all location based, yeah. so I don't think there's any studios used or anything. No, definitely and it, not. And it just does add uh, a grittiness and an authenticity to it. Um, it, it uh, yeah, it's like it feels like a, a it feels like a serious film. Definitely does, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it has a, and, it, and it ends, it's, it's got quite a, what, an ambiguous ending, I would say. The very Ooh. end. I mean, obviously, because he, he kind of, um, he's in the nightclub and he has to fight. And he's just leaving the nightclub with his clothes all torn, bleeding. And he, I guess when he goes up the stairs and exits the nightclub, it's like a big release for him, isn't it? Well, yeah, so if you think about when he goes to the nightclub, but he, I think he already knows that the games, the games up. Yeah. But he goes to the nightclub and it's like, and it, it appears that he's off his face a little bit. So I don't know if his mate's giving him some pills again. Um, well, he's off his a, face because of, yeah, we know why he's off his face. We'll come to that in a bit. Um, and it's like one last throw of the dice. Yeah. And then he goes and there's all these, all these people that have previously. We're going to get very deep today. I can feel it. All these basically very sort of shallow people who don't really give a shit about Tony the man. They only give a shit about Tony the the nightclub manager who can get them good seats at the nightclub and blah blah blah. Yeah. And they're all they're all pouring him as if they're all trying to get something from him. Yeah. And then and it's it's weird. I don't think it's done that brilliantly, but the kind of lifting him up. Um, almost sort of in a theatrical style. I think that's what they're going for. It doesn't quite, they don't quite pull it off, but they were trying for some sort of, like he's almost like a sort of Jesus figure. like. Yes, and we know what happened to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it didn't end well. Speak, speaking of Christmas, uh, it, it, it didn't end well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, But I also think there's a, a, a very definite suffocation vibe to that final scene. Right. So when he's on the dance floor and everyone's pouring him and he's, it, it looks like, the it looks orgasmic but I don't think it's meant to be. I think it's meant to be like, he, he's almost drowning or suffocating. He then has the fight in the toilets. He does pretty well until the heavies sort of yeah. outnumber him. And then, it's New Year's Eve and just as it strikes, uh, well he, he clamours his way to get out the nightclub and it's like he's drowning, and then and he sees all these people going, "Hey, Tony, blah blah blah," and it's he he's realised in that moment that none of these people really give that much of a shit about him, and uh, they're all backstabbers and they're all just shallow and, and users. Yeah. And then he finally, as the clock strikes midnight, he he breaks out of the club, and he and he breathes in the air, and I wouldn't say he looks happy, but there's a slight smile as if to say. I've escaped, and obviously it's it's new. It's it's midnight at New Year. It's a New Year. He's escaped, and he's going to make a fresh start. That's my reading of that scene. Superb. Couldn't say better than that. So, if you can get in touch with the British Film Institute, yeah. I think I'm ready to do so. <laughs> yeah, some academic uh, 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 a pam- uh, a pamphlet. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, what now? So who are we? Yeah, where are we? <laughs> who who are you? Yeah. <laughs> So, should we talk about let's talk about Joan Collins? So, yeah, I mean, she, uh, I mean, she's totally game in this. I mean, she's she's not, you know, backward at coming forward. Yeah, um, and I think that, could have, you know, she's in her forties. 
and she has no qualms about pretty much showing everything, really. Yeah. Um, and in fairness, she, I mean, she, 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 I mean, she's obviously still incredible now, but she was incredible then. And if you think about it, in the late 70s, being in your being in your mid-40s or late-40s was probably more like nowadays being kind of in your in your mid to late-50s. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Because everybody was older then, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I just think she was... I think that was shrewd, actually, on her part, and, you know, her husband, who was the producer and stuff like that. I think it was like, I think they just... I th- you know, I've used that phrase earlier, roll of the dice. I think this was a probably a, a roll of the dice financially for them, um, reputationally. Yeah. And I think they just went, you know, all in to continue the sort of gambling uh, imagery. Definitely. And, um, I mean, if you think of it in in relation to some of the other films we discussed, like the sex comedies, yeah. some uh, women in their 40s would be cast as, you know, like a frustrated housewife, or you know, um, yeah, that that sort of role, you know, the clamouring for the men. But in in Joan in this is uh, you know completely the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree. Um, they're very predictable, kind of one-dimensional, really, in a sense. Um, whereas we've got it. It would be. It would be unfair to just say like. Alexis, sorry, I've done it again. Fontaine Khaled, it's just like a super bitch. There's there's much more going on. Um, yeah. So so for example, she 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 alludes to not being ha- not being able to have children. Yes, there is that scene, isn't there? Yeah, because she had a, a botched abortion, didn't she? And her friend says, "Oh, I, I, I just thought you hated kids," and she said, "Oh, well, I, I had a botched abortion, and just saying you don't want kids or always sounds better." Yeah. And so her, so her her best friend is Vanessa, played by Sue Lloyd, who who has some um, some sex comedy form, doesn't she? She certainly does. Tell me more. So she is in one of my favourite films, The Ups and Downs of a Handyman. So she she's one of the ladies of the village, and is she in the um the 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 bed rolling down the hill and turning corners? Is that uh, her? It's a car. A car. It's not a bed. You're yeah, well, he's 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 treated as a bed. You're thinking yeah. of last of the summer wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and she's also in um, a film uh, number one of the Secret Service, which isn't the yeah. same, which is a sort of uh, a James Bond spoof with uh, Nicky Henson. Uh, and oh. John, John Pertwee's in that as well, actually. I really want to see that, but I haven't seen it yet. And the only version I can find online is very crummy, so yeah, I don't. It's, it's not. I don't want to spoil it. Um, um, so yeah, so that's her. And she she's it's quite a good role for her in this. I think um, she she gets quite a lot of screen time, um, and um, she uh, attends the quite amazing uh, orgy, doesn't she? That happens near the end of the film. Yeah. So I mean, just before we get to that, I was I was thinking today. Yeah, you know, as I frantically prepared for our podcast today, um, come the first thirty five minutes. The, the film is what about an hour and a half, an hour forty minutes, something like that. Yeah, it's quite short, hour and a half, about yeah. Yeah, and really after the first half hour, the scene is fully set. 
you know the 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 whole it's quite well done like after half an hour you know exactly what what which balls are up in the air no pun intended yeah um and then the the and then the subsequent two thirds are just letting everything unfold. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's so you know, like we said, Tony's. Yeah. There's no nice way to put this. Shagging all these because in in addition to um, John Collins, he's also you know picking up chicks as he calls them at the club. Yeah. He's also pursuing her stepdaughter, etc. etc. And he's also trying to get his own nightclub. Uh, off off the road, uh, off the off the ground, um, and then at one point, because there's it, it, it we're, we're kind of segueing into what I wanted to talk about in terms of I don't know class and stuff like that. Like she, he is, she boasts, she boasts about Tony, as if he's like an expensive toy or plaything to to Vanessa, her posh friend, and Vanessa says, "When do I get to, When do I get to have a go or something like that." And that's when they hatch up the plan to get him to Paris. Yes, under the premise of uh, checking out a new nightclub. To show you, I think you'll be fascinated. Rely. Do I hurt you, madame? I realise, Sandra, that this is not your intention, but you're getting me excited. (laughs) It's all right, Sandra, just bring me the phone. (laughs) Uh-huh. Good morning, lover. Oh, it's you. Are you up? Yeah, I'm awake, but... What do you mean, but? You're an early riser, aren't you? Good. I'll have all of it then. I'm coming over. Coming over? Coming over where? Oh, I don't really mind where, lover. Wherever. Besides, I miss you. I've been lying here thinking about you, and uh, I'm ready. I'll be around in ten minutes. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, and uh, obviously, when he, when she greet, when Joan greets uh, Tobias in the car, she's uh, wearing this big fur coat, and lo and behold, underneath she's got some see-through underwear and nothing else. Yeah, and I mean, she looks, she looks fabulous. Really, yeah. sort of iconic moment. Um, but the cracks are starting to show at that point. If you, if yes. you watch him, um, he's he's tired. Poor lad. <laughs> well, it's a hard, it's a hard life. But, you know, someone's got to do it, and uh, you know, not all heroes wear capes, etc., etc. Um... What have you been doing? Anyone I should know about? Look, are you serious about opening a club here? <laughs> of course not. That was just an excuse to get you here. Well, I don't like being summoned like a piece of luggage. a nice coat. Is it new? This? No. I've had it for hours. Jesus. Oh, lover, you're so predictable. Never late and always shocked. Look, um, I'm really tired from the trip. Oh. But I bought these specially for you. Anyway, you don't get jet lag flying from London. Yeah, he's very at the beginning when he goes to see her, 
and when he's chatting about it with his mates, he's very cocky about the fact that he's you know sorting out the the boss's wife, and he's very um, I think dazzled by her wealth, her beauty, her glamour, etc., etc. By this point, it's he's he's there to do a job, and he's got his eyes on a a bigger prize, which is his own his own project, yeah, which is the night yeah. club. So they go to Paris. They go to they stay at Vanessa's uh, husband's place in Paris. He, he's a he's a strange chap, isn't he? Yes. Um, uh, yeah. He's like com- completely off his face, and there's some weird. There's, they have this awkward kind of dinner breakfast where there's this just this random artist guy who's. Gay well, artist. That's, and that's how and, it is in Paris, isn't and, it? And his sort of muse. Um, then they they start wandering around the house, and there's these two naked women like having a shower. And uh, they go, he goes, "Who's that?" And the guy goes, "I have no idea." There's <laughs> like two women there, like he doesn't know who they are. And he's got this amazing kind of indoor swimming pool, come fountains, and uh, so they all strip off. Well, Vanessa uh, Fontaine and her husband all strip off and start. Uh, cavorting in the pool, and uh, Tobias is, you know, he, he, he clearly doesn't want to go in. He's still wearing his clothes, and he's, they give him some sort of pills and stuff, don't they? Yeah. Uh, and, and kind of starts to hallucinate, doesn't he? Sort of. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 off his face. Uh, I mean, he's out of his before. And this isn't me trying to be clever or even humorous. Before he gets in the pool, he's out of his depth. Yes. Definitely. You know, for, yeah. you know, Parisian artists and their muses, and this just yeah. this sort of decadence, and yeah. you know, yeah, and he's not comfortable with it at all. Yeah. And then obviously it it, it, it uh, progresses or gets yeah. worse. And so there's a you know threesome with uh, Fontaine and Vanessa and the husband, and quite an amazing scene with Jones on this sort of swing, and the the husband, yeah. the, the husband is <laughs> yeah shagging her on the swing. It's like incredible. It's like acrobatics. Yeah. Well, ac- acrobatics, I yeah. think, would be the phrase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then eventually they drag Tony in, and you know, all, it all kicks off. Well, yeah, it does. Shall, shall, shall I talk us through that? Yeah. So you know, Tony's in there against, arguably against his will. But you know, there are a few dodgy moments or things said in this film, and. You could argue that he's sort of coerced, um, sort of verbally and with the use of drugs, to take part in this uh, sort of orgy. Um, and he's kind of not. He's just sort of. Uh, he's kind of just phoning it, phoning it in. He doesn't really want to be there, so he's not massively. He's definitely not into it or anything like that. And then at one point, he finds himself being. Pleasured by somebody under the water. We see a sort of man's hand, don't we? Creep up. <laughs> well, yeah, and then, <laughs> and then the then it all dawns on him, and uh, he kind of he's sort of sobers up almost in that in that yeah, moment. He's disgusted. <laughs> Oh, Lena. 
yeah, um, yeah. What, what do you make of that, Helen? Just, just how? What's your take on on that? Because I would initially, when I watched this the other week, I've watched it a few times since. I was like, well, that's a bit OTT. I'm not sure if you've gone to that kind of event and you mix in those kinds of circles. I'm not sure why you'd be, you know. It was like somebody had chopped his hand off the way he reacts. I think, like you said, I think he didn't, in his heart of hearts, he didn't really want to be there doing that sort of stuff anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he wanted to settle down with um, Khaled's daughter, didn't he? Like, in the scene before. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Next thing he's in the pool, getting uh, <laughs> ple- pleasured by, uh, <laughs> he's called, I don't know what his name is, the character, Barry or something. Yeah. Uh, but he literally, like you say, he storms, he just, Jumps out the pool and runs out, doesn't he? I, I think, I think we need to remind ourselves here because I've obviously reflected on this. I've probably spent a bit too much time thinking about this actually. <laughs> um, let's remember that Tony is essentially a bit of a working class boy, come good, um, you know, from a, a, a humbleish background. I think it's easy to lose sight of that with because everything about Oliver Tobias shouts posh. Yes, it does, doesn't it? But I think the character of Tony is meant to be a bit of a geezer, yeah. yeah, slightly from the rougher side of the tracks. So I think that's a relevant factor in terms of how absolutely um, aghast, <laughs> aghast he is. But I mean, I wouldn't be too pleased, I've got to be honest, but, but equally, in his pursuit of you know, a new nightclub or finance for a new nightclub, etc., etc., I did think, well, I'm, I'm curious why you haven't just gone with it, but I think internally as very competing sort of priorities at that point yeah i mean i mean, I mean the, the main way we see his sort of working class sort of uh way of life is when you see his apartment you know he goes back to his flat and there's no electricity on and it looks pretty dingy and disgusting doesn't it what did it it reminded me his apartment and his law bed reminded me of another one of our favorite films. i was thinking from the, the adventures of plumber's mate <laughs> But um, but obviously, um, we're talking about his apartment, of course, um, we have the uh, quite outstanding uh, introduction sequence, don't we? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's... I genuinely do think it's wonderful. I think it's funny and it's a little... It's cheesy and it's, you know, and it's retro and, and all that. But I think... And I've, I, I know I've used this phrase before or I've kind of gone down this rabbit hole before... But if you were sat in the cinema watching that and you saw that opening sequence, you would be like, fuck yeah, this is like, <laughs> yeah. this This is the best film I've ever seen. I mean, I don't think it pans out that way, but it starts off really promising. So do you want to talk us through it? Well, he sort of gets up out of bed. Uh... Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Set the scene. Go on, you, you set so, the scene. Bloody hell. So you've got that music, <laughs> you've got that sort of shimmering, quite moody guitar. Um, and then we see all these signed photos. Oh yes, sorry, yeah, on his wall. Yeah, from women. Um, yeah, f- f- but it's a, it, they're all say like two two Tony baby love you, or call me and 
stuff like that and then there's an obligatory one of two twins and there's all kinds of women of all backgrounds and you know shapes and colors etc etc um and then there's we did you clock the cabio from jackie collins oh is that one of the photos it says to tony nobody does it better jackie kiss 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 nice yeah nice touch and a Bond reference, I would suggest, which isn't necessarily uh, yes. irrelevant. We'll come back to that. Um, so, yeah, he's got all these pictures, almost as if they are sort of mementos of previous intimate encounters. But they're all sort of publicity photos, you know, the kind that people would, their agents would send out. Like he- headshots, are they called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're so, the professional shots, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Did women who went to fancy nightclubs in the seventies did the <laughs> carry on photos? The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, um, well, I, I, uh, I do that, don't you? I'm what carry, down the string, fellows? Well, I carry a photo of myself, yeah, to, <coughs> to give out. So, <laughs> um, so it skips forward, and we see him in in bed, and this beautiful lady slides out of bed, and there's a very provocative shot of her. Yep putting her pants on yeah. it's 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 handled well because yeah. you're like oh jesus where's this gonna go and she she does turn up at various points throughout just, just she as, does. as a sort of subsidiary character yes yeah. um and then eventually there's a phone call blah 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 and she leaves she's leaving and he says no goodbyes and she says no goodbyes and then he says what's your name and she went felicity and then she leaves and he falls back to his pillow and he goes, Felicity, uh, go back to your boyfriend, darling. And then, <laughs> and then the music kicks in and it's this wonderful yeah. disco title track. The start. During those, during that wonderful scene, uh, we see him tanning himself. <laughs> we see him downing loads of tablets, which I know is a, a yeah. particular device of a device that you're uh, quite dubious about in films when people just download the tablets from um, a box. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's weird he does that because later on he he gets given some tablets. He doesn't seem to know what they are. <laughs> When he's in the car with his mate, he says, I'll take one of these. He says, what is it? Like an, it's an upper. And he seems puzzled as to what it is. Uh, but I, I can't remember what it was before. It was on a previous podcast and you, somebody else did that. And you're like, but you'd just be, you'd just be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't wash them or anything. No, it's, just, just, it's crazy. Um, we, see him, we see him selecting from a wide array of slip-on shoes. He's got a, a huge, huge uh, collection, hasn't he? Shoes. Yeah, uh, we see him. Uh, I don't know if it's like a wallet or a little pad, but it's Gucci. Oh right, yeah, yeah, would be, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. And then we see him putting it, his tie on, and he looks into the mirror and he says, "You handsome bastard." <laughs> <laughs> you handsome bastard. 
it's an iconic line, isn't it? It is, and and and, and, <laughs> and the and the scene is set. Uh, I see in my mind, Pete. I imagine this is this is how you start every day. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot more. It's a lot more tragic. My <laughs> <laughs> this my the start of my day is like a sort of a really sort of bad late eighties Ken Loach film. You know, it's it's it's, 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 it's very grim. Um, so no, sadly not. Sadly not. Um, so yeah, there's there's. Like you say, it's an outstanding intro, isn't it? Yeah, and it just comes back to my point that in that first, they really neatly set the scene within the first half hour in terms of what's going to unfold dramatically. Um, and it's not long after we see him arriving at the club yeah. and we see kind of how the dynamics are in terms of him overseeing seating yeah. plans, who's been guest listed, etc., etc. Um and then the we, we start to meet the uh, sort of wide array of kind of um, other characters, don't we? Yeah, and uh, I think they did this really well, actually. The the kind of all the all the faces down at the nightclub. Yeah, um, and uh, so he's got two uh, two sort of mates, isn't he? You sort of there's various scenes with these, these two yes. specific people. I mean, there's quite a, lot, a lengthy scene when they're in the sort of gentleman's outfitters. When they're just talking about birds and stuff, um, yeah, and also at the at the pool hall as well. At the pool hall, yeah. Um, um, so it's very mind. It's very minder. It's very. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's got that real. Although it's not a gangster film by any stretch, it feels like you know. For example, if they ever did a bit of a uh, Sky Atlantic reboot of the stud and, and dragged it out over. Eight episodes or whatever, it could definitely go down a sort of London underworld. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, sort of subplot. Maybe you should take up the banjo, Tony baby. Always good to have a second trade. Nah, he's going to be a tap dancer when the old trouser snake lets him down at your time. Listen, you two toe rags. In the not too distant future, I'm going to make a pair of you look like twin arseholes. I've done the waiter a bit. I've done the manager a bit. The next one's going to have my name on it, Tony's very own. I've got a certain person to put his loose up, and I'm going to be making bread. I'll blow the whistle on the performing bit when I feel like it. Right now, I don't feel like it. I enjoy it. Right? End of story. So one of his mates is has a sort of un, an unhealthy interest in uh, young girls. Borderline. Yeah. 16. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, he has this this line where he goes, uh, "They ask for the Beano and a box of sweets. You give them penthouse and amyl nitrate." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's 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 iffy, and he he says that he just he says, "Christ, could they get any younger?" He says, "Well, I just yeah, I just follow them round on the school bus." <laughs> um, yeah, not not, uh, and I I suspect that was a bit iffy at the time. Actually, I don't think it's just us being. Pretty no. through, you know, yeah. You know. But on the other hand, you probably did get underage girls at these nightclubs, you know. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, he, he's like this grisly forty-five-year-old. <laughs> I mean, he's he's dressed like John Travolta, but he's and for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's Doug Fisher who's um, Richard O'Sullivan's mate in Man About the House. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's excellent. I, I really like him actually. I think he there's some really. Nice scenes with him, um, 
you see some good acting between him and Oliver Tobias. Yeah. Um, I think he's the only one who doesn't yeah, dump on him, really. He's... Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's still embroiled in that world, but he's... Yeah, he, he's looking out yeah. for... He's looking out for... Um, what's his name? Tony. Tony, Tony so Blake. It's, so Tony, the other guy, sort of his other best mate, is a sort of long-haired guy, and he, he's, uh, he sort of specialises in dating elderly women, doesn't he? Yeah, so they've all got their own sort of area of interest, haven't they? <laughs> um, so you know, they, they take the piss out of him, but he, he's like, you know, I think he makes a good living out of it. Yeah, it's, it's certainly less, um, what's the word, dangerous than what Tony's into or what the other fellas are into. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to the nightclub, you know, there's some really, they are a bit dated now, I've got to say, but in fairness, as, as are the, some of the scenes in Saturday Night Fever and stuff like that, but yeah. there's um, some really good scenes with with a band. Um, oh God, what are they called? What's the fella called who did uh, the stood ba- Bandu? Is it? Uh, I can't remember now. I think it's Bandu, and yeah. there's, there's, was, uh, there's two quite lengthy, just like music sequences, isn't there? Like with people disco dancing. Yes. Um, quite cool. There's, there's, it's good, the, yeah. the, the songs are good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a nice, uh, and there's the uh, sort of the the kind of Rastafarian DJ guy, isn't there? So, so I'm assuming, yeah, I'm assuming he's Bandu, who was this, I think, producer. Yeah. Um, he produced um, Kung Fu Fighting. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you got this, and then you got like you say people disco dancing and stuff like that it is a bit cheesy but it's yeah. it's quite fun and then and there's various posh idiots that come in there's there's quite a few camp sort of people there's yeah they're all they're all lords lords aren't they yeah, and the, yeah that, that's ambiguous there's this guy who comes in with his friends Nigel and Jeremy and he gets turned away because uh, single men aren't allowed in but um, he, he's arguing that he's not going to hassle the women but it, it, but the way he speaks to Tony yeah um, it's a there's a, there's definitely a bit of sort of British social commentary going on in this film, um, the way some of these hooers behave and some of these entitled rich people behave as well, um, and you know, at at one point, when when after the orgy scene, and John Collins is dumping uh, Tony and they have an argument and he says you had that planned all along, which they did. You know, further feeding into yeah. that thing of he's just like just there for their pleasure, um, and then she says, basically the the the, the up, But she says, yeah, I think it's I think it's time I uh, upgraded to something higher class or something like that. Yeah. Or uh, um, so he's no good. You know, he's he's discard. Don't get me wrong, he's he's no angel, but he's once he's served his purpose and is starting to become a bit difficult and not not performing as she needs him to. Um, He's discarded, and yeah, it's, it's there's some unpleasant, unpleasant people in this yeah. film. And then you got uh, Alex. The daughter's called Alexandra. Right. Yeah. So you got all her and her drip, you know, really drippy friends, you know. Yeah, and they're, they're, to be fair, they're meant to be, aren't they? Yeah. Like yeah. for they're, comedy effect, almost. Yeah, I mean they're they're classic sort of uh, hooray Henrys, you know. Yeah. Because um, there's that scene where uh, she, she tries to. Um, uh, yeah, she wants to have sex with her boyfriend and in the car. They're sort of pet, yeah. heavy petting, and he sort of pulls away, saying, "We're not even engaged yet." You know? Yeah, I don't. He says, "I don't want us to get caught having foreplay before we're <laughs> <That's> engaged." <okay. laughs> 
funny place, wasn't it? What was funny? Well, you know, all the... What? All those old men and young girls? <laughs> funny, really. Peter. Hmm? Kiss me. Yes, of course. I don't want Maddie to come out and find us in the throes of foreplay before we're even engaged. Oh, my God. Dawn. Yes, of course. <laughs> her <laughs> face is like, oh. <coughs> But she probably ends up marrying him anyway, so... Yeah. Uh, I mean, can we speak about that character, Alexandra? So, just as a yeah. recap, she is... Um, Fontaine's husband's daughter, it's not Fontaine's daughter, um, and Tony falls in love with her, hook, line, and Does he fall in love with her, or does he fall in love with an opportunity to maybe lead a, a simpler, more pure, honest life? I don't know. Um, Bit of both, I think. Yeah. Um, she's... I, I, she's very nice, etc., etc., but there's a bit of a... I mean, she's meant to be a Sloan Ranger. I get that. But she's a bit much, a bit too much of a Sloan Ranger. There's, uh, I don't find there's anything sort of massively alluring or sexy about her so much no, so no. that Tony would be like, "Wow, she's the one." Yeah, I guess maybe because she's got a bit of money as well. Probably helps. <laughs> it doesn't do any harm. I would suggest <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Um, so, what about her dad? Yeah, he doesn't really have much to do, does he? Um, did you did you recognise him? Who is he? Should I recognise him? Yeah, well, he's, he's Walter Gottel, and he's, I would say, above everything, he's probably known for um, sort of late 70s, early 80s James Bond films, where he always plays... Is he like a villain? Uh, I mean, he's a Russian, he's always a Russian. Right, okay. But yeah. then, he's always there's always an air of decency about him as well. Um so, for example, in Spy Love Me, he's Barbara Buck's sort of commanding officer, um, but they, they form a, an alliance, uh, a, a physical alliance as well as a sort of military alliance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but he's but he's in quite a few of the... He's in, I would say, he's in at least three Roger Moore James Bond films, Spy Love oh, okay. Me, pr probably Moonraker and Octopussy. Yeah. Uh, he also, but he also, he just had a uh, a stock in trade playing Russians because he's in the professionals as well, playing that playing that kind of role. Yeah. So I just um, wanted to go back to Alexander again. I just remembered a, a bit where um, when Tobias goes to stay at her house and he, he tries to she get, he goes to her bedroom yeah. to try and seduce her. She's like not, well, here, the, not here. the first the first time or the second time. The second. Oh time. no, because yeah, yeah, when when she's. She's gone. She's gone off the idea, hasn't yeah. she? And he goes, "Sorry, I've never felt like this about a chick before." <laughs> he goes absolutely crazy about a chick. I'm not a chick. 
and then it all comes out, doesn't she? And she, I'm sure she describes him as a cheap little man or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was laughing at that earlier on. And then just, it's like, come on. Just before that, the dinner party, her and her friends are talking French about um, uh, Tony, and they're talking about a, a cheval, which is horse. Oh, right. In relation to his. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so he's a uh, he's a big boy. Well, that's what they were saying. Bloody but hell! It's all in French. That's a good job that you're a multilinguist. <laughs> Christ, Alex, I'm sorry. I just never felt like this about a chick before. That's all. That chick, get out of my room. Get back in your nasty little car and take your stupid words back where you belong. Go on, get out. For Christ's sake, Alex, what did I do? What did you do? Do you think I don't know about you and that cheap slut who owns you? You think you can break my father's heart between the rotten pair of you and expect me to love you on a one-night stand? Listen, Alex, Fontaine, she's nothing to me. Go and tell her, then. Go and tell the bitch. Tell her I sent you back again as a Christmas present. You're just about what she deserves. A cheap gigolo in a little nightclub. A visit when she feels like it. Go on. Get out. Get back to your chicks and your stupid friends. You're pathetic. Did you think I'd fallen for the irresistible Tony like the rest of them? Is that what you thought? Is it? So, yeah, so, uh, Carlet, Mr. Carlet, yeah, so, um, yeah. But it's, funny, it's funny in terms of that scene. Yeah. It's because when he says, I've never, because it's a bit weird because he, he, he sneaks into a room by the dead of night and I'm sure he puts his, um, <laughs> sort of restrains her, puts his hand over her mouth and says like, shh. <laughs> and then she's she's obviously putting off the, at some point she's going to blow him out because, you know, she's done yeah. what she needed to do. She's proved her point, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's, it's like she's she's sort of trying to put it off yeah. and just trying to fob him off. But, but when he says, I've never felt like this about a chick before, <laughs> it just triggers her and she goes absolutely <laughs> mental. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And then we've, you know, so after, in terms of the art of the story, we've had Paris, so Khaled's dumped him, um, the daughter, the daughter's dumped him, blah, 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 um, and he's, he, he goes, he goes off the, he goes off the radar, doesn't he, he disappears for a bit, and then we, we cut forward to seeing him and his friend, played by Doug Fisher, near, I think, Tower Bridge? Yes, Tower Bridge in the background, yeah. Yeah. Quite a nice scene. Yeah, yeah having a like, sort of man to man chat. Yeah. And yeah, his friend basically says his friend basically calls calls it out for what it is, which is a lot of to be honest, nasty rich entitled people. Yeah. Just using them and abusing them, and that he he means very little to any of them, and they'll drop them like a hot potato. Yeah. Um, and Tony's a little bit resistant to it. But uh, it's it, you know I would I would describe it as a touching scene, but it's it's quite a nice scene. You're right. He's the he that character is the one person throughout who really seems to care about Tony and and wants to look out for him. Um, but then that's when we see Tony. Let's say made it back to the club to yeah, it all goes to very wrong. Although bizarrely, the, the DJ we were just talking about, he gets one of the last lines in the film when he just looks at Tony and says, "Isn't life beautiful, man?" <laughs> and yeah, I mean, what's your what's your take on that? Because it's all, it's all quite you know, 
it's all vacuous and superficial and I don't know but in terms of that line is it meant to be ironic because yeah. for Tony things are really shit or is that the maybe, is that maybe the sort the, of maybe the DJ is Jesus oh <laughs> could be so it really is a Christmas tale. He is a kind of mysterious figure, isn't he, the DJ? It's a, it's a, it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry, one thing we haven't talked about is some of the assorted hangers-on in the in the nightclub. Oh yeah, there's so some quite important ones here, isn't there? We've got Chris Jagger. Yeah, Chris Jagger, who is the brother of Mick Jagger. Yes. And he kind of looks a bit like a cross between Peter Noon and Robin Asquith. Yeah, go figure. Um, <laughs> For some reason, I thought his name was Nigel Jagger. I don't know why. Is there someone called Nigel Jagger? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's the uh, Tory MP for Wickham on Sea. No, uh, I don't know. I don't know Nigel Jagger. Yeah, oh, definitely Chris Jagger. Um, he's, he, and he, he's kind of playing Chris Jagger, isn't he, really? I think. Well, I think he's playing Mick Jagger. Well, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a rock star. And uh, at one point, he comes out. The three of them come out of the toilets. Obviously, haven't been doing uh, Colombian marching powder. Yeah. And, and Tony says, "Oh, that'll you know, it'll kill you eventually or something." And he says, and I assume this was very purposeful, but he says, oh, "Who's ever heard of a seventy-year-old rock star anywhere?" Um, it's obviously telling because I think Mick's now eighty, or at least approaching eighty. Um, did you clock who the woman was with him in the toilet? Um. No, who was it? Oh come on, Fed! Bloody hell! Did you not have your glasses on? <laughs> They're steamed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Suzanne Danielle. Oh, was it? Oh gosh. Right, okay. Yeah, she's she's one of the. So was this of, is this before or after Emmanuel? It's bef- just before. Just before. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, she's in it a couple of times. She has some lines. Um, she's I'm fairly sure she's in the sequel as well, which we'll get to that shortly. Um. Just quickly, rolling back, there's a scene where uh, Joan Collins and a friend are having a massage. Yes, Vanessa, yeah. Yes, did you clock who Sandro the masseuse was? He was kind of... No, who was he? (laughs) So, she says to him, Sandro, I know this is not your intention, but you're getting me very excited, and and he's absolutely horrified. (laughs) So he is... Similarly, he gets a massage in... Come play with me, or I think he gets a colonic oh, is that treatment. Guy? Yeah, oh, yeah, the one, the, the one who goes, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, and quite, he's, also, he's got a muscle man, isn't he? He's like a, yes. Yeah. And he's also because he's also the bodybuilder in Carry On Emmanuel. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so I mean, we've covered we we have covered rather a lot here. We've talked about the orgy scene, we've talked about the club scenes. I think we've talked about the. The morality and and stuff like that and and the lift scene, um, I think in a second we need to kind of talk about what 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 happened next. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, uh, it, it's a great. Uh, it would make a good musical. This film, you know. Oh, tell of, me more. Kind of almost is a musical. I mean, you've got two lengthy kind of just musical bits. You could easily, and I mean, the soundtrack had loads of tunes on it. You you hear very briefly in the film. You know, you could, you could. Uh, I think you could make it into a musical. What me? No, well, not you. Anyone, someone. You know, <laughs> um, a Christmas family musical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I definitely take your point. I, uh, 
I also think, I suppose it's the age we live in, because now when I watch an old film or even a relatively new film, and there's lots going on with interesting characters and interesting dynamics, etc., etc. I always think, oh, that would that would make a good yeah. eight-part HBO film. But that that you know can't say that every week. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's I think there's a good a good premise here. Um, I think my my regret is you know once Tony once we see Tony at the end, that's that's the last we ever hear of Tony um, yeah I guess so um, I have to say this film um, I think it was on the telly in the mid 80s alright um, when I would have been about 15, 16 and I take hey, up. Where, where's well, this story going I was just saying you know, it, <laughs> it's a film that all the lads taped and you know because it was it was probably it was very you know almost as hardcore a film as you'd get on the telly, you know. Um, so it was, you know, for a teenage lad, it was a, you know, an interesting watch. Yeah, I mean, is there much if you if you think about it in the call light of day? Is there? There's, there's what? Yeah, I was about to say, is there much sex? But I've just counted without thinking about it, at least five scenes. I mean, there is, yeah. and crucially, it's all done. It, it's not done for laughs, like in the other films we discuss. Is it? It's it's kind of proper, full-on kind of. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think the you know yeah, pro- I, I, proper I, I, sex. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's all you, you, proper sex. You know, the walk of the walk of stopped that now, haven't they? So um, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've lost I've lost my plot. I, I I read a quote earlier with John Collins, which was like, yeah, it, we wanted it to be. You know, we wanted it to be sexual and erotic, but we wanted to do it in a classy way, kind of like, and she, she name-checked Alfie, which I kind of I get where she's coming from, and of course she was in Alfie Darling, which isn't classy by any stretch, but never mind. Um, so, yeah, and I, I just, you know, I, I, think, I, think the, I think it's a decent little late 70s, it, 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 there's no particular category that it falls into because it's not a sex comedy. It's not um, it's not an underworld type thing. So yeah, it's just more like a bit of a social yeah. drama, really. Because I mean, well, let's face it, the plot is very slight, really, isn't it? Um, it's not really an in depth. I mean, it's it's like you said, it's all it's all pretty much done and dusted in the first half hour. What's going to happen? Then it's just all building up to the. Yeah, but I, th- I think there's a beauty in its simplicity, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. But I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's not. It's not, it's not massively intricate or anything. Um, it's, it's just done a bit of a road, um, a, a road to destruction and, and back again, really. Yeah. So as we know, uh, this was the catalyst for the revival of Joan Collins's career because she pretty much got Dynasty on the back of this and the, and the sequel. Um, yes. But what about Oliver Tobias. I I have read things. I don't know if it's true that him saying that this film ruined his career. Is Ooh. that is that the case? Do you think? Well, this is what apparently he has said. Oh, so he's not a he's not a huge not a huge fan of it. Well, I think he's he he got type he felt he got typecast after this. He couldn't get any much decent work because he was the, you know he was the stud. It just feels a bit 
ungrateful, if I'm honest. Yeah. Because, you know, he could have been doing this or he could have been doing keeping up Jack. I mean, which one do you want, mate? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, was he ever in the running for James Bond, do you think? Is he, is well, he one of our list of James Bonds? Yeah, so, uh, at the beginning, like I say, there's a, a signed photo from Jackie Collins which says, Tony, nobody does it better. Obviously the theme tune from The Spire Love Me. Um, and I, I just wondered if that was a cheeky little nod. Um, in... The early 80s when one of the producers, I'm presuming it was uh, Cubby Broccoli, um, but I get mixed up with those. Like, yeah, Cubby Broccoli was mourning about how much Roger Moore wanted to be paid for Octopussy. Right. And he said they were looking at alternatives, including Oliver Tobias. So he was, right. So who, who allegedly, and we've got to take all this with a massive pinch of salt, was going around town telling everybody it was it was in the bag. <laughs> But then, but then, curiously, a week later, um, they announced that Roger Moore had signed on the dotted. And uh, so, I don't know if it was posturing, I don't know if it was promotion, or trying to get Roger Moore to shit himself into like taking yeah. less money or what. I don't know. Well, maybe, um, maybe they preferred the sex thief guy. Yeah, he'd, he'd have been better. Um, I think. It, I well, I mean, what do, what what do you think of his? What do you think of his performance? It's great. I mean, it's it's. I say naturalist. I mean, it's it's a very good performance. You know, he's a good actor. Um, yeah, I think so. I think we, if you think about the various stages we go through, sort of cocky, self-assured. You know, you know, really pleased with himself because he's you know seeing all these, having these wicked way with all these ladies. Then he goes to like, dare I say it, vulnerable. Um, then he goes to like, sort of. Uh, disillusioned and you know disdainful and then just like I say just just all out oblivion and then eventually has some level of release so to speak or yeah. escape at the end and yeah I, th- I think I think he plays it I think he plays it really well I think I think he's excellent I think John Collins is excellent um I think you know uh, the character is a bitch as per the sequel but um there's a again there's a there's another side to things as well as a, there's a sad, there's, there's something sad about how shallow and deceitful and, you know, f- how much they just use people. There's, th- th- these aren't happy people. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking at his post career, and I, to be honest, he, he hasn't done much after the stud. Nothing of any note. Uh, didn't he do one of those films by that Driscoll character? Yeah, and also looks mid eighties to. In the nineties, he got he did a lot of European films. You know, he got that's always a bad sign when you get stuck in those that sort of uh, area. Oh, I wonder why he didn't. I'm assuming he did, but I wonder why things didn't take off in terms of stateside yeah. productions. I'm because wow. he would have been perfect in something like Dynasty or the Colbys or something like that. Yes, yeah. Um, maybe Joan Collins didn't want to work with him anymore. Who knows? Oh. That's an interesting. That's a hot take. I mean, um, uh, he's in an episode of Holby City in the two thousands. I mean, that's. I mean, that's yeah, it's good work for an actor, but it's probably not where he thought he'd be in twenty years' time after the stud. The thing is, if he'd he could have done a predictable thing of pursuing smoothie, yuppie sort of Lothario type roles, yeah, and he probably would have got loads of 
loads of work in, like I say, playing sort of obligatory, sleazy English gents yeah. and American shows. It, it appears to me that he's made efforts to just not repeat the same formula. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, and I think he's done lots of sort of pretty uh, highbrow stuff, like theatre and stuff like yeah. that. So, I mean, he must have got offered, like you say, he probably got offered loads of parts like this after the yes. success of it, you know. So, um, I mean, before we before we move on to what happened next, um, are you aware of the 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 extensive merchandise that was released? What so like the soundtrack? Well, there was the soundtrack, yeah. and there is a, there is a story about the soundtrack in terms of it, I think it was released on Ronco yes, Records. Yes, it was. Yeah, I've got it. I've, yeah, I bought it a couple of weeks ago, in fact, from a record shop. Um, there's there's a story about. I can't remember what the story is, but basically that it was perhaps a bigger money spinner than they realised, and that was reflected in the deal that struck. So, right. so it sold lots, but they didn't benefit as much as they should have. Yeah. Do you know how much I paid for it? Go on. Fifty p. Daylight robbery. <laughs> what for, for me or them? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a double album. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm assuming it's gatefold. Yeah, yeah. I don't have it at hand, but oh, because you were listening to it last night. Uh, no, no, because it's in my uh, it's, it's in my country retreat. <laughs> what? What is that? Where? Uh... No, anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so yeah, so on. I think inside the album, or certainly on, maybe the press release, which I think I've got somewhere, or like the you know the press kit yeah, sort of yeah. thing. It, there is a stud aftershave. Oh wow! Okay. St- stud deodorant. Yeah. Uh, stud give, sort of stud talcum powder. Give it, I mean, give it's it to a, me. Give it to me. Where can I well, get it? I've I have looked. I have looked, and yeah, struggling to find it. But that would that would look good uh, in your in your um, office, wouldn't yeah. it? Maybe they announced it, but it never actually got released. You know. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. 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 No, that's that. <clears> that. Well, they might, they might have just given a few away for, to the press, you know. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'll, I will keep looking and, you know, if I get one, if I get a second one, it'll be yours, but if I get one, it'll be mine. You can't really, can't say fairer than that. Yeah. So, so, as we said, Dasha, the film did very well in this country um, and inevitably, I guess, they wanted a sequel, didn't they? They did. So Jackie Collins quickly wrote a sequel. So there wasn't a sequel written in terms of the novel. Um, she quickly wrote the sequel, and then obviously I, I presume she wrote the screenplay. And it was the bitch, and obviously uh, the 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 bitch in the title is Fontaine. Um, and she is a bitch, yes. Yes, uh, I haven't rewatched that yet. No, we will we'll, we'll come to that maybe in series two. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. Um, I I remember thinking it wasn't as good, and I think it's a little bit more American based, which obviously didn't appeal as much. But I think it probably also suffers. I mean, she's fantastic, but I think the I think the success of the film is you've got her and you've got Oliver Tobias. Yeah. Uh, and I think the 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 sequel. I'm just reading um, the the, the <coughs> brief. Premise to the bitch. <laughs> it sounds like the plot of the Georgia Mildred film. 
what so there's the a, bitch the, 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 the film George and Mildred could have been there's a diamond smuggling crook who's in debt to the mob oh, it, it just sounds like bog standard yeah <laughs> no well exactly uh, and that's that's the problem when you, you if you think about sort of sitcoms or comedy shows where there's an initial premise and it's all about what happens with that premise yeah. but then once once you've exhausted that and you've got a sort of contrive things it, it you know it often it often doesn't doesn't work um so yeah speaking of which of weed is in pet uh, that's a classic example series one fish out of water etc etc yeah. series two but i made the link because there is a scene in series two of our weed is in pet where they um hire a video from the video shop right and it's 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 the bitch oh, so they're all, okay. they're all like they're all excited um <laughs> but then they put it on and it's it's like black beauty or something so um so yeah the the, the film the bitch came out she, interestingly she hated and still hates the title the bitch oh really yeah, yeah. i suppose it's got it's got bad connotations doesn't it really but... yeah and it, yeah it, it over it kind of simplifies a potentially sort of complex character yeah. do you know what i mean yeah um but she was i mean this film this film changed her life um this this changed everything for her i mean this she was what what do you reckon she was uh, b-list in the sort of 50s 60s and certainly c list by this point yeah. and this this propelled her she was top of the pops again in the 80s after yeah. this yeah and, and you know, the film changed the lives of a lot of teenage lads in the early 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the book somewhere. I might have to, I might have to revisit the text, as my uh, drama course. teacher would say. Yeah. Um, yes. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm really glad. We, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah. I'm really glad we got round to talking about it. I really like this film, and I'd forgotten... I, I, I remember telling you about a story where I was, I was um, with friends... And it was very late. We'd been clubbing, and we put the stud on, and uh, I, I I knew the words off by heart, um, <laughs> and I thought I was impressing them, but I, I, well, I didn't see them again. Put it that way. Um, but I'd forgotten how much I liked the stud, um, and I've got that wonderful uh, double Blu-ray box set. Yeah, really, ni- too. really yeah, nicely yeah. packaged. Yeah, with the um, yeah. yeah, really, really good. So yeah, thank you for taking the time to um, to talk about it with me today, Fred. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been it's been great as usual, and um, hopefully uh, we'll we'll be seeing people again next year. The unmitigated bounders will return. Yes, but we don't but we don't know what film yet. We don't know what film, and uh, we might be returning in some other sort of format as well. Ooh, watch this space. Well, exactly. So thanks everyone for listening, and. Um, Thank you. Here's a call, Chip. Anytime. <laughs>